0: Welcome to another Mixed Life ATL podcast and Mixed-ish episode 18 called Parents Just Don't Understand. It's the music episode. Welcome to episode 10 of the Mixed Life ATL podcast. Uh, We want to just start um, by acknowledging that the country is in a bit of turmoil following um, the death of George Floyd. Um, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to just go on about everyday business, watching what we're watching and, um, Mm -hmm. we want to acknowledge that we are and be transparent that this, uh, is rocking us as mothers and, um, women of color. And so if you hear things in this podcast, we just want to let you know that some of, um, of course, what we're talking about will, um, this, um, chaos obviously will affect some of what we say about our, our, our beloved show mixed, mixed dish, excuse me. Um, but it's very relevant. And so we hope we wanted to give that disclaimer, um, at the top of this show, Shannon, did you want to say anything about George Floyd?
1: Yeah, just that, you know, this is where our faith is being practiced heavily, um, you know, and tested. (laughs) And, um, you know, seeing our city and other cities in turmoil, you know, we're just praying for our nation and our world, um, and living in some serious times of history. And as we're raising our kids, you know, just having to teach them about the reality of what happened to George Floyd. Um, and I'm letting, I know, Tanya, you're letting your kids see a bit and I'm my oldest, my 11 year old is seeing more, um, So, and he's watching live a lot and it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's the, it's our reality right now. And I just pray for George Floyd's family and his community. Um, from what I see, he was a really amazing man that, you know, was really trying to help youth stay away from gun violence. And that's amazing that he used his voice in that way. So, um, I just pray for justice to be served, but we're going to still have fun do. and do our, our thing on the podcast and talk about, you know, this is yeah. what the balance of entertainment is about, is being able to escape a little bit into some, um, you know, shows, entertainment that can help balance our lives a little bit through <laughs> this reality we're living in, um, and, right. Yeah, and still address important issues. So we're going to keep on keeping on, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, and to that point, yeah. I mean, Mixed Dish does this so well, which is why we are such fans. It mm-hmm. tackles heavy issues, but it tackles it in a way that is comforting. Um, and so hopefully you'll be comforted by listening to this podcast today, wherever you are. Yes. Um, so, so we are at episode 10 for the Woo! ATL podcast. We made it. There is just something about that number, and I'm really p- proud that we made it to the double digits. It's an uphill climb to create anything new, but as this as this and this endeavor has also been an uphill climb, but it's worth every bit of work and every moment. Um, imperfectly it's escaping for my children to get it done. Shannon, I'm so glad you invited me to be part of this journey and um, participate in your vision. As a mother, I think I hadn't quite figured out how to balance indulging the producer in me while producing children and uh, young lives, but this podcast helped me establish that balance and I'm grateful for it. And for so many other aspects, of course, Shannon, do you have any reflections on reaching our 10th podcast? I'm
1: just like, wow
0: her little baby 10. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I couldn't have done this without you, for one. There's no way. I'm so glad that we're doing this together. And it's just, it's awesome to reflect. And um, it's been very therapeutic on a lot of different ways. And I'm just extremely grateful for anyone that's listening. Um, and I encourage everyone to share with your friends. Um, and you know, the writers of mixed-disc have continued to surprise me this whole season and I'm excited to say they're going to have a season two. I'm sure, you know, we'll be pumping that up, but it finally was announced (laughs) season two. So congratulations to all the producers and writers on the show and actors. And this is a, this is huge for them. And especially during this crazy COVID-19 pandemic, um, just looking forward to that. So we'll have more episodes to talk about in the future.
0: <laughs> yes, a big congrats. I would have been so, so devastated if this show uh, wasn't coming back. Yeah. Uh, so I promise it still holds. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but as mentioned, today we're discussing episode 18. Parents just don't understand. How is there an 80s tune to fit everything? I don't know. I know. I know. Uh, unless been <laughs> the, uh, the era. I have mm-hmm. sung this children uh, to my... sung this to my children many times by heart when they think I'm being unfair. It totally disarms them. (laughs) Whatever complaint that they are making, especially when we pull up the music video.
1: That is funny. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah, yeah, we put it on for them. Will Smith still coming to my rescue all these years later. Um, Well, music and race in America could be a Ken Burns or shall I say Ava DuVernay documentary series. Um, And we will not promise that in this podcast uh, we can't we can't accomplish that however yeah. i think mixed dishes attempt to tackle race and music in one twenty-one minute episode was really respectable and drove home for me how inextricably linked race is to so many dynamics in our country it's mm-hmm. racial man it's racial what what movie is that from again <laughs> but musical preferences however they are formed do say so much about who we are Um, And it was so smart of the creators to make a a whole music, a whole episode dedicated to music.
1: Yes, I can. I completely agree. The art and finesse of covering such a huge subject in music and add hip hop in particular to a short episode. Bravo. Bravo. To mixed dish, and I think you're talking about boomerang, maybe with uh, Eddie Murphy and Martin How Warren, could I forget boomerang? <laughs> David Allen Greer are in the suit store, and the clerk assumes they can't afford the eighteen hundred dollars right. suit they were right. looking at. Yeah, I had to look it up. I was like, I know this clip, I know it, and they have it. Um Yeah, the news has been slammed with all the racial injustice, as we've talked about, and the disparities black people continue to face. And it's you know, to who's to say that you know rather um sorry it's rather to say that many racial dynamics our country is drowning in racial epidemic rather than just the dynamics we're facing it's it's clearly an epidemic um but we'll be getting more into all of that in the episodes to come and uh back to 18 parents just don't understand
0: the music Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, so in this episode, our beloved Bo, spurred on by her peers, um, figures out her music style. It all starts when her friends visit her room and they see it bereft of those teen idol posters, like the ones in Bop Magazine. Remember those, Shannon? Mm-hmm. Or what, I, what Yes. Those? Okay. At first, <laughs> I didn't know if that was like a few years ago. Oh no. okay. I might have had
1: at, different guys bop. on my wall than yeah. you, but Bop.
0: bop. Mm-hmm. Uh at first Bo is really feeling Debbie Gibson. I, I did oh. listen to Debbie Gibson back in the day and feels drawn to only in my dreams as her anthem. Paul and Alicia are horrified at their daughter's seemingly shallow taste in music. No offense to Debbie Gibson, of course. But then Mm -hmm. we see an inflection point, the moment Bo falls in love with rap, thanks to Eric B. and Rakim. Uh, It's a tape that her friend lends her. And finally, she says, a window into Black popular culture opens for her that she has been longing for. I can relate. Uh, to Bo in that regard. I, I've talked about growing up in Seattle in the 80s and so listening to Cube 93 FM. My I call it my blackout phase growing up in Seattle because they probably played only 25% of black popular music that was out at the time. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but I did grow up listening to a lot of Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson, and Bill Withers, my absolute favorite, Bill Withers. Um, Shannon, what did you listen to growing up?
1: Well, it wasn't Eric B. and Rakim, but I... You know, I definitely had a lot. <laughs> Bear with me, because I I now feel that I have to go through like this whole catalog, <laughs> you know. Um, but of course, Michael Jackson, Sade, There was some oldies. Ah. You know, we were trying. To, I know my mom was trying to stay a little bit conservative at times. Um, Stevie Wonder, isn't she lovely? You know, but his whole catalog, jazz. My dad's entire family. Um, you know, they were all musicians and having the Bronx, Harlem, New York history with jazz was going to be, you know, around. And my uncle, he still has two jazz bands today. So shout out to his Latin jazz band, big band, Nuevo, and um, his traditional jazz band, Evidence. He went to school with Wynton Marsalis. And so he's he's a big, big uh, jazz advocate, history advocate. And um, my other uncle went to school with P. Diddy, believe it or not. And, you know, New York's music scene is just like nothing else in the world. So I'm, that's definitely part of my blood for sure. Um, but just like, you know, other regions hold their own, like ATL, obviously in our country and bluegrass in Nashville and the Appalachian mountains, which I love bluegrass. I know you do too, Toronto, <laughs> a little bluegrass. And, but r was really, I think, as a teen, like what just... I mean, grabbed oh, yes. my soul. Like, I Mary J. Blige, you know, those uh, R&B groups, SWV, Escape, and then, of course, Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey, who both teetered and pop. But let's not forget the writing, you know, Mariah Carey wrote the song for Mixed Dish, the title song, so that's awesome. Um, and En Vogue, and then TLC, of course, Setting Trends, and Lauren Hill, whew. And I was so happy. I got to see her finally. I wasn't jaded like a lot of my friends. And I didn't give up. And I we finally saw her last year.
0: That was the most amazing concert. It was she so good. She came on time. She
1: brought it. She mm. ended on time because there was like a curfew for the, the venue. It was everything you would want a Lauren Hill concert to
0: be. She still has it. Yes, for sure.
1: Um, And, you know, my husband and I, we with the kids even, we listen to Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. It's like our favorite, and it will never get old. And it's, you know, the music's relevant to today. It's like, did he just write this yesterday? Um, Erica Badu, early Mm Erica. I don't know. Sometimes I (laughs) I tried to go to a concert the last year to just, but, you know, she's timeless for me. I will always listen to her albums. And- love some Erica mm-hmm. w- Badu. Mm-hmm. Nina Simone, of course. Um, but can you tell music? We love music, you know? Like, you know, I guess just like my ethnic makeup, I'm truly a mix of a lot of music styles, you know? But what do you listen to with the girls?
0: Ditto, ditto. Um, I like it all. I didn't mention, of course, my Madonna phase and mm. um, all that. She she awakened to quite a bit in me. Mm. <laughs> Donna, thank you. Um. Oh, but SWV, yes, you're taking me back to my track days. And oh, Ugh. my God, <laughs> never going to get it. So, um, well, my godfather probably had one of the biggest jazz collections in all of Seattle, maybe even the West Coast. So I, I try to still listen to the classics as much as possible in honor mm-hmm. of him, my uncle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, um, we listen to everything from the music I grew up with. I uh, like Stevie Wonder, Al Jarreau, as I mentioned, Bill Withers, and everything that has contributed to my per- music personality as an adult from John Legend or Jones, Corinne Bailey Ray. I love playing Indie Irie for the girls, in particular, her song Video, I'm Not My mm. Yes. Courage and Wisdom and Jill Scott's Golden. These mm-hmm. women are masters of the-, of the female anthem. Mary, Mary's God in Me is also mm-hmm. one I bump for them. Didn't we intend the premiere of their show together here in Atlanta, by the way? Were you there? Maybe.
1: I I, I produced on their show, the reality show, for a couple seasons. I, I remember sitting fun. in the
0: Atlanta premiere of their show, which I, I love. So I love Mary Mary. But um, they
1: have some timeless pieces, too. Like, for oh, sure. So I mean.
0: Yeah. Um, Fred Hammond turns me around every time I put him on. So gospel music. And I really love acoustic guitar. Uh, that mm-hmm. theme in my musical journey, interestingly, comes from the country music playing and singing side of my family, and I have great affection for that genre, as well because of the storytelling. Um, yeah, I think I think inspired by that tradition, I wrote a song for my daughter Marley. Mm-hmm. Marley Simone is her name, and that's the mm-hmm. musical name, I right? Know what it is. <laughs> right. Um, but maybe that's our next endeavor, Shannon, music mm-hmm. production. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> But back to Bo's musical discovery, Paul and Alicia have a very negative reaction to Bo's newfound love of rap and forbid her from going to the Eric B. and Rockham concert. Instead, they take her to a coffeehouse folk music showcase. That would have so been my jam. And um, they, they, they go on stage to sing themselves. Of, co- of course, Bo, which is a hilarious scene. The kids are absolutely mortify- mortified. Um, Of course, Bo resists further after that and wins concert tickets by secretly calling into the radio. Did you do that? Did you call into the radio growing up for tickets? I think I did.
1: Oh, I did.
0: But that was a super fun scene when she's hiding in the closet. Um, Paul and Alicia have the same reaction to rap, but for different reasons. Paul believes it's violent based on what he's read about, really only read about. And Alicia objects because she feels it sets black people back after all they have struggled for. So Shannon, you, you clearly love music and have a pretty musical family. Is there a rap debate in your family? What uh, What do you say to people who feel that rap is so angry, quote unquote?
1: Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, it was a lo- loaded. That's a loaded question for for me. But I have to say, like when you said the coffee shop vibe was like you, I I just imagine you in Seattle growing up at these little, <laughs> like I can just see it. I yeah. just. <laughs> see that hopeful nice music Seattle. scene with you. Yeah. Um, and believe it or not, I called into a radio and won front row center seats to Lauryn Hill in high school, early high school, when great. she was like on tour for that album, um, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. And then the show was canceled. And I think, remember, like this is when it started. Like she started canceling shows. And, uh, it was just heartbreaking. But anywho, Came full circle last year. I was able to go live out my my high school dream.
0: Um, I don't know if I knew that.
1: Maybe you told yeah, me that. That's amazing. Maybe, but yes. Oh and that That's was like so probably cool. one of the only times I ever really, no, I called into the radio a lot, but like for actual tickets like that and then winning and just like, that was just amazing. Um, but yeah, uh, this totally made me think too, of course, um, about like, I took a hip hop college course did you know that i took the history of hip-hop course couldn't believe that it was like like i could get college credits for this but it was amazing learning you know really in depth i mean this was like i didn't realize it was this deep and so i guess it was good for me and my little midwestern (laughs) upbringing um you know learning about the five elements of hip-hop and especially just the birth of like I was being birthed literally during, like, just in the toddlerhood of what's today's, you know, culture of hip hop. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was watching my city's history, my birthplace history, too. Um, But, you know, learning about the five elements of hip hop and its ties to African history, Mm -hmm. too. um, There was a bit of rap for me growing up, that was definitely deemed as inappropriate talk for sure. And that, you know, my parents were, they like to listen, you know, my mom liked to listen to conservative Christian music. So she was not going to be um, tapping into that at all. But I, you know, for a young kid at the time, I don't think it was appropriate necessarily like for my age. And then, you know, as I got older, it was a little bit different. And I remember my uncle, I remember when boys in the hood specifically came out that movie and it was just so pivotal for, everyone mm-hmm. in the black community. And uh, my uncle like really like took one of my uncles, I have a lot of uncles, um, but my dad's brother, specifically the jazz, the jazz musician um, took me, you know, aside wanted me to talk about it, wanted me to take notice of this film because it was history making and um, interesting. um but the, but the cuss words, you know, like, and just getting to that. Yeah. My mom was not about it. My dad didn't really engage because I think, You know, obviously a different generation. He was from a different generation. And I think also because he lived so much of the raw stories that much of early rap music was telling us about, you know, from the projects in Brooklyn, Um, he was very much about jazz, funk, and disco. But my husband, on the other hand, had a completely different upbringing than me and was very much um, like in like just in engaged completely in the hip hop generation. And I think like Bo rap music helped our generation to understand and bring to light, like the crack epidemic and police brutality and housing disparities. And, um, but with my husband, like he was like five and his first concert, like epic concert, the lineup was Run DMC, Beastie Boys, LL Cool J, the Fat Boys. He went with an older cousin. He's like, I remember she like just had me on her hip, like carrying me. You know, like he's probably the youngest person there, and it was like, you know, it just taught wow. him like the love was just birthed there, and he taught me just a lot about hip hop, um, just being just very much a true fan. Um, much of our early dating was listening to Biggie, Tupac, and Jay Z <clears throat> together, and. Um, you know, when I was preparing for this episode, he thought of, uh, he, you know, I was discussing a little bit of this with him and he thought of one of his favorite songs is by too short called the ghetto. And when you listen to that, it's like literally a teaching lesson for, you know, and a bit of a cry for help, which is traditionally what the music is about. It's talking about our black community and the underserved specifically. And, um, These artists are expressing the pain and the issues of the black community that, you know, that we're facing, which is what we see Bo experiencing in this episode. She's like, yes, I'm a little bit woke. (laughs) Did you have a song or album that opened your eyes, so to speak, to the black communities? Well, I,
0: well, I have to, to, I really, I started listening to Too Short in college and I, yeah, I really, I really have to say, even though I, you know, there's, I don't know. Language issues. I it, it, let's just say it compares it. greatly with the gospel music. Right? Exactly. Because, you know. So sometimes I have a hard time reconciling that. I'll be honest. Um, yeah. But I really I do enjoy some some Tupac, some two, dual Tupac, t- obviously, but too short as well. Um, but my earliest memories of music that was kind of um activist, so to speak, was "What's Going On" by Marvin Gaye. Um, my parents played that. Um, my dad grew up. Up with members of the band War in Long Beach.
1: Um, mm, oh my so gosh!
0: Talked about my parents would flip
1: out if they knew that.
0: Yes. <laughs> and and they and actually he he worked on a job with Bill Withers. He told us recently. I'm like, how are all these musical people coming into your life? It's so interesting. So so the war Amazing. the song by War, the world is a ghetto. You know, obviously it's a classic. As I mentioned, that's very mm. early. Um, classic and talking mm-hmm. about overcoming disparities and uh hardship um speaking of long beach because we grew up visiting there my my, my parents lived in compton early in their marriage i have a special affection for snoop dr dre I, mm. all west coast artists shout out do you, to you remember when lot. we produced them
1: remember yes we i was in heaven snoop
0: i was in specifically heaven. <laughs> that was for BE, a, BT, a BET show I couldn't we believe together it. we got that was live, and he gave a great performance. Too, he did. Drop it like he was. That was really good.
1: Super nice.
0: Um, but growing up with those beats definitely shaped shaped my preference. Uh, my preferences until I moved. Uh, when it came to hip hop, until I moved to Atlanta. And I really started listening to Outkast and really started listening Mm. to their lyrics and then fell in love with them. But now that we're talking about this, I realize that music is a great way to show and not tell or lecture our children.
1: Mm.
0: So receptive to music. Um, So there are many records that I should be dragging out right about now. Maybe not Snoop. But just given all that's going on in the turmoil, turmoil in our country, I really should just begin to allow them to explore their feelings through, through some of the great music out there. Yes. I think, like I said,
1: Marvin Gaye is timeless. We were actually pulled it out with um, our oldest last week when we we were, we were all working on a family project outside of the house and playing music. And we were explaining like, listen to this. This is like, now you have to, you know, and just, the history of the album and all that and he was into it you know but that's great um yeah so in the spirit of you know music identity and style I have to transition a little bit um from the episode and give some kudos out to a musician I didn't grow up with but instead we grew up together in the same era and her music captured my heart and still does. Our fellow biracial Black sister, Alicia Keys. Yes. In fact, we were born a month apart, minutes away from each other. It, her in Manhattan, myself in Brooklyn. And wow, she, like so many other artists in the music industry, had planned a world tour in 2020 to promote her new album called Here and her new book called More Myself. And the book was part of the tour and the album promotion. And I'm sure was set to be a bigger moment for her this year than it has been. But due to COVID-19, you know, all that changed. And I recently finished her book, and she shares so much of herself and stories from her career and growing up. And she seems to have made the most of the time in quarantine as well, as she's helped fundraise for small businesses and helped celebrate graduates at virtual and televised events and brought to light, you know, the injustices of the police, brutality that's going on and murders. Um, she's become a global star and an enormous advocate for world change and constantly using her platform to expose injustices, disparities, and promoting good. And she's raising boys, which is awesome. Um, I feel a certain level of connection to her because as we know, we're both biracial, but also her, we both have white mothers, both born in Detroit. I found out in the book, Wow. um, with a Midwestern Michigan and Ohio family experience and, um, you know, DNA there. Um, she was also, like I said, born less than, you know, a few minutes away, but she came of age during the same time as me. And, um, when her first album came out, I was in college. And like so many of us, I played it repeatedly on rotation and I would have had, I would have my hair braided often for like volleyball, preseason games and stuff like that and I remember a staff member that would always tease me and called me Alicia Keys because of that and but I take it as a compliment actually and I attended her concert on that first album tour in Cleveland and got to witness her incredible piano talent I mean classically trained she is Um, just amazing so I also feel a connection with her now as we're both approaching 40 years old and have both decided to let our stories all air out. And in her book, um, with her with her book and me here with the podcast, um, it's just about timing. I think even a year ago, I probably wouldn't have been in this space to do a podcast like this. Um, but she shares in her book about the first time she discovered her mother-daughter racial differences. And I wanted to just read this particular excerpt. So Alicia writes... Mommy's body is covered in freckles. The two of us stand close at the intersection of 43rd and 9th, her warm, spotted hands wrapped fully around my tiny one. It's just her and I, both on this corner and in life. I stare at our fingers, intertwined, a swirl of beige and brown. Mommy, I announce, you're still white. My mother glances at me and then back up at the streetlight as it turns green. Yes, Ali, she says. A smile spreading across her face. I'm still white. Now let's go. At four, I didn't understand why my mom's skin doesn't look like my own. I've wanted, or rather, I've been waiting for the day when all at once, her hundreds of small dots will march towards one another, link arms, and magically blend to make her brown like me. I know nothing about race, about how it can be used to separate and conquer and shame. And in the collage of faces filling our health Kitchen neighborhood, I have no judgment about why we don't resemble each other. Few here do. All I know is that my beloved mother, this woman who braids my bushel of curls on weekends and sweeps me close at bedtime is my family, my rock. And in my view, in my innocence, our skin shades should match as closely as our hearts do. My story begins on that corner in the moment when my curiosity opens its lids. There, hand in hand with the woman who gave me life I'm noticing, I'm wondering for the first time I can recall, I'm trying to make sense of the world and I am questioning how in this triad I was born into mommy and I fit together. I just loved this. I loved this excerpt, this little moment that she shared about that. Um, and I just, I had to read it for our podcast today. Um, talking about musicians and and music that's touched us. Um, And, you know, I just, I thought it was great.
0: It's beautiful. That is so beautiful. Thank you, Alicia Keys, for sharing your story with us and being a voice that is, um, that is heard. So using your platform, basically, to share your your story, Um, understanding that freedom um, provide the freedom that sharing provides us, and how we can help the next generation process their own stories as they hear read about ours. Her book, More Myself, is where Alicia steps even more into her authentic self, and that's what we want for ourselves, as and all of our listeners. That's why we're doing this podcast. So, again, mm-hmm. thank you, Alicia Keys. Maybe you'll come on and be a, yes a guest.
1: That would be amazing.
0: So, so we end this episode um, with that perennial reminder. Um, that Mixed Dish dish seems to always give. Um, Bo telling us your identity and musical identity is for you and you alone to decide. Hold strong to who you are, says our brilliant Bo, and that's all that matters.
1: True that. In our mixed message today, we're asking, how has music helped you flesh out your identity? Send us a DM and share with us through our website, MixLifeATL.com, or find us on social media at MixLifeATL. That's all we have for our show today. Until next time, stay safe and peace out. Mixed Life ATL is recorded in Atlanta, Georgia, and produced by SDB360 LLC and Capacity Media. You can hear us wherever mainstream podcasts can be found. For information on how to advertise your business on this podcast, please message us at MixedLifeATL.com.